It's 11 minutes before the hour. You're listening to Raven Radio, KCAW in Sitka. Today is Friday, July 23rd, 2021. I'm Brooke Schaefer with Raven News. Earlier this week, the filing period opened to run for local office in Sitka. The 2021 municipal election is Tuesday, October 5th. Two seats are opening up on the Sitka Assembly, with members Kevin Mosier and Valerie Nelson's three-year terms expiring. On Thursday afternoon, incumbent Mosier filed to run for another term. Two school board seats are up for grabs. School board member Eric Van Seis and board president Amy Morrison's three-year terms are expiring. The filing period to run for local office closes at 5 p.m. on Friday, August 6th. Those interested in running for office can contact Municipal Clerk Sarah Peterson at 747-1811. Over the last two days, Sitka reported 64 coronavirus cases. Most of the new cases are in their 20s, 30s, and 40s, and all were experiencing symptoms when they received testing, according to the city's COVID dashboard. Four of the new cases are non-residents. Contact tracing is still in progress for most of the cases, so it's still unclear where most of the cases contracted the virus. KCAW's Catherine Rose reports. When the Sitka Emergency Operations Center met on Wednesday, Incident Commander and Fire Chief Craig Warren said community members were calling on the EOC to do more to protect Sitka amid the recent COVID surge. He said the group was doing what it could. First and foremost, I want citizens to know that we are hearing what you're saying. Uh, We've been getting the emails, we've been getting the concerns, and uh, we do hear you. Not by way of excuse, but we want to make sure that uh, the citizens know that uh, there is a limit to the authority of the EOC. Warren said that they were exercising all of their legal authority as an advisory body. We're asking citizens to do what's right, and after 18 months, everyone should know that. Get vaccinated, wear a mask, socially distance, and practice good hygiene. Warren shared a report from Search Chief Medical Officer Dr. Elliot Bruhl, who was not at the meeting. He said as of Wednesday, four people were currently hospitalized with the virus. He wanted me to convey that the hospital is doing well. They're keeping up with everything. They're not even calling it a surge at this point. There are three to seven cases on the floor in a given day. Still, EMS Captain Rob Janik said that their team of first responders was busy. Again, we're almost at that point where, you know, if the acuity gets worse or the numbers jump again on top of what we have, Uh, We may end up being in in a um, struggle to keep our heads above water. We're not there yet. Fire Chief Warren continued to recommend masking and social distancing, regardless of vaccination status, to stop the spread of the virus, citing breakthrough cases, Sitkins who have contracted the virus after being fully vaccinated. Earlier this week, the city released vaccine data for individual COVID cases to the public. But as of Thursday afternoon, the information was no longer available on the COVID dashboard. In an email, City Administrator John Leach said that the city has temporarily removed that data to address concerns from state health officials. Leach said that of the 207 positive cases reported between June 1st and July 19th, 68 were breakthrough cases, or about 33 percent, 
While that number is higher than the national average, it accounts for a little over 1% of Sitka's vaccinated population. 67% of the cases over the same period of time were unvaccinated. Reporting in Sitka, I'm Catherine Rose. Canada plans to open its border next month to fully vaccinated U.S. citizens. The Canadian government has released a list of requirements for non-essential travelers that you'll need to meet before you can get through the border. KHNS's Mike Swayze has the details. Skagwegians have longed for the day they can drive over the White Pass and into Canada for about as long as the pandemic-related border restrictions have been in place. Well, that day will finally arrive Monday, August 9th. Businesses in Carcross, the next town north in Canada's Yukon Territory, are ready for Skagway traffic as well. Bonnie O'Connor, co-owner of Matthew Watson General Store in downtown Carcross, says that though they are open for business on the weekends, additional traffic will be welcomed. You know, the shelves have been dusted off and uh, we've got stuff for sale and we're ready. In order to be admitted into Canada, U.S. citizens will need a negative molecular COVID-19 test within 72 hours of reaching the border. In Skagway, the Dahl Memorial Clinic offers rapid testing free of charge by appointment only. The Skagway Traditional Council offers free tests as well, but it may take multiple days to get the results. In Haines, Search offers a rapid test for $145. The sliding scale fee structure would apply to any Search patients, and insurance companies may cover testing as well, but it's best to check your individual policy. All travelers may be subjected to a random rapid test at the border, which could add an additional 20 to 30 minutes of wait time to the trip. After you have your testing complete, you'll need to register with ArriveCan. The app is a free download for smartphones through the Canada.ca website. It can also be accessed through a web portal. However, be wary of sites that ask for a payment. There are several third-party hoax sites that charge money. ArriveCan is free to use. Finally, make sure you have all travel documents with you, including a passport and vaccination card. The Canadian Customs agent will need to check those documents and your ArriveCan status. The program will store your information and can be accessed offline after all information is uploaded. ArriveCan gives you a 72-hour window prior to arrival at the border to upload your information. Photos of both your passport and your vaccine card will be required. Any forged vaccination records will be subject to a $750,000 fine and up to six months imprisonment under Canada's Quarantine Act. Only fully vaccinated travelers will be allowed to enter. Pfizer, Moderna, AstraZeneca, and Johnson & Johnson vaccines all meet the requirements. According to Canadian officials, tour operators will be allowed to bring groups into Canada if all group passengers meet the same regulations as individual passengers, but the logistics of getting everyone tested ahead of time seems daunting to local tour operator Billy Clem, who owns Klondike Tours. I have no idea how we're going to get all that testing done. In order to be properly prepared, any cruise ship passengers that wanted to book a trip to Canada would need to test within 72 hours of arriving in Skagway. But there is no word yet if that can be done on board the ships.
Reentry for American citizens back into the United States will not change. According to U.S. Customs and Border Protection, all U.S. citizens that enter Canada will be welcomed back home to the United States upon return. But vaccinated Canadians? They'll be barred from crossing the U.S. border for non-essential travel until at least August 21st. Reporting from Skagway, I'm Mike Swayze. Four fishermen escaped with their lives over the weekend after a sane vessel sank south of Ketchikan. As KRBD's Eric Stone reports, crew members from another fishing boat heard their distress call over the radio and arrived in time to rescue them. Around 3 a.m. Sunday, Pete Feenstra says he and a three-person crew were readying themselves for a salmon opener south of Ketchikan. Then he heard a mayday call from the radio. The Mount Pavlov, a fellow saner, needed help. And they were coming, you know, they're kind of booming in on the radio. It sounded a lot closer than where they had said that they were. Feenster says he looked at the navigation system aboard his 56-foot saner, the noble provider, and saw that the vessel in distress was less than a mile away. And he knew what he had to do. Pulled up anchor and we just flew over there. And, and by the time we got there, the, the boat was pretty much gone. I saw the stern uh, sticking out of the water and the skiff. And they had crawled in a skiff. Um, but the skiff was still attached to the boat, so I sent my skiff over, they jumped in. He says they tried to save the skiff as the 63-foot fishing boat went down, but as it sank nearly 300 feet beneath the waves, the skiff went with it. I just told my guys to cut the line. Um, didn't want to jeopardize anything else, so cut the line and within seconds it was gone. They returned to the Noble Provider where a Ketchikan-based 45-foot Coast Guard response boat picked up the shaken but otherwise unharmed crew members and returned them to shore. It's not yet clear what caused the Mount Pavlov to go down. Its owner, Rick Rude, didn't respond to interview requests on Wednesday. The Coast Guard is investigating, says Chief Petty Officer Kip Wadlow. We want to make sure that if there are any you know, issues that, that need to be improved that we can identify those and then, you know, potentially make changes later on down the line for commercial fishing vessels and, and increasing their safety. But one thing is certain. It was a harrowing experience for all involved, Fintra said, three days after the incident. I've seen boats on the rocks. I've, I've been on a boat on a rock. Um, I've been on a boat that uh, caught fire and sank in my own boat. And uh, no, it's, it's a scary feeling on no matter what side of it you're on. Obviously, a lot more on the side of uh, of, of the person on the boat, but, uh, you know, we did, did what we could to get over there as quickly as we could and uh, did whatever we needed to. As of Wednesday, there's no word on whether crews will attempt to salvage the 72-year-old wooden vessel. State records show it has fished in Alaska since at least 1978. Reporting in Ketchikan, I'm Eric Stone. I'm Brooke Schaefer, and this has been Raven News. Mm-hmm.